0: Calvary Carlsbad, we are so glad to join with you again from your home as we continue on this online journey. Uh, we'd like to thank you for joining in with us and, and, uh, just being connected while being disconnected. So again, connected spiritually and, and, uh, even though we're not connected, uh, physically. So, uh, Today, we are celebrating Palm Sunday. You might think this came extremely quick and out of nowhere. Well, to all of us, (laughs) this is absolutely the beginning of the year. This is not what we had expected to be doing Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter via online only. But this is where we're at. And so uh, God's moving. He's using this season. We're growing through this season. And so uh, we're praying for you, that God is doing a work in you, that he's moving in you. And um, yeah, let's pray and we'll get we'll get started, Lord. Thank you so much for this time this morning and we thank you for each person that's watching right now, God, and we pray that you'd speak to us by your spirit, God, that you would um, help us to, as we look at the word, that you would convict us and you teach us and you You'd reveal yourself to us. And and even if there's some out there today who are watching this and they're kind of checking it out, God, we pray that you'd you'd make it real personal that you are reaching out to them, that you would uh, let them know that you are near and that uh, you love them. So God, we pray you'd speak to all of us, you convict us, that you'd um, just work in us. We pray that you'd uh, pour out your spirit, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, so today is Palm Sunday, so we're actually going to be looking at a couple different accounts or parts of different accounts uh, of the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday, Uh, but we're going to be starting off and doing most of it in Matthew chapter 21. So if you'd open up your Bibles to Matthew Matthew chapter 21, we'll be going through verses 1 through 11, and uh, if you would stand, I know... You're at home, so you can do whatever you want, but uh, we'll, we'll read it together and we'll get started. Verse one, chapter 21 says, now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her, loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, uh, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a a colt of a foal, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So that the uh, multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So uh, this is one week before what we will see this this is Holy Week, the start of the Holy Week. Um, by Friday, it's going to be Good Friday. And we're going to have a service. I'll talk about that at the end. And then there's going to be the Resurrection. So Resurrection Sunday is one week from today. We'll be celebrating that. But this is the beginning of all of that. This is where the dominoes start to to, to go. It's The stage is set... Jesus' earthly ministry is almost done. Uh, The the gnarliest part and the most powerful part is coming, but he has been effectively working and doing all kinds of uh, miracles everywhere he's going, healing people and just blowing people away with his wisdom. Everyone's marveling. Everyone's in awe. Uh, Many people love him. They're following him. They want to be around him. And then there's the Pharisees and the, and the legalists and the, uh, all these you know, religious leaders that they want to kill him. So there's two sides. And so he has a crowd everywhere he goes. Those who love him, those who hate him, they're following him everywhere he goes. So let's kind of set the stage a little bit. Verse 1 says, Now when they had drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. So they are in Bethpage, and that is between, basically between Bethany and Jerusalem, and it's this little district, and that's right next to the Mount of Olives, and so, uh, they're, they're all over there. Jesus is, has, has told them, hey guys, listen, I've got a plan, okay? Go over and, and go get this donkey. I have it all set up, okay? Uh, go to that village opposite you. You'll find a donkey. Immediately, you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. So Jesus tells them to go and, and look and find out that I'm taking care of this for you. And look and see that I've made provision for all of this, this is everything's about to get really crazy, which is a little relatable right now. Things are, are crazy, but one of the most important things we can understand is that in this season that seems crazy, that God has a plan and it's actually a very good plan in this season of chaos and, and, and as things are getting really nuts those that want to kill him, those who are like, they just saw Lazarus raised from the dead. He's just healed two blind guys, like all kinds of crazy stuff is happening. And he says, "Go and, and, and go find those donkeys." Okay, I'm about to I'm about to reveal who I really am. And so, because most of Jesus' ministry before this has been, he's been kind of concealing himself somewhat. Like he'd heal people and he'd say, "Just you know, don't tell anyone that I that I healed you." Don't tell anyone that I did that or that I'm here. And he's kind of like someone trying to stay away from the crowds. Anytime they would come, he'd be moved with compassion and he would you know, respond And because he loves people and, and he's not going to not do the right thing. But he's trying to stay a little bit on the down low. Well, now that's out the door. He is going to be coming in, this is the triumphal entry. He's going to reveal that he is the king, but not just the king, the king of kings. And so he's ready to come in and let everyone know who he really is. And so I actually, we're going to be going through this as we go, but I found five truths that set the king of kings apart from any other king. The first one is he has, he's God and, and he's a God with a plan. He is, he's, he's got a plan. This king, he has a plan. Jesus has thoroughly set up this plan. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows what needs to be done. And so he starts with saying, go get the donkey. It's sitting there waiting for you. The second part, and there are actually kind of two right here, is that he is a king that has perfect provision, right? He takes care of the provision, not only does he tell us to do, to, like you know, to trust him, to, to believe that he has a plan, he provides once we trust him. So they go, and, and he's saying, like, why don't you go check and see if if the uh, the donkey's there? Like I told told you it would be. And he says, so if you see him, just tell him the Lord needs him. And it kind of tells us two things about the Lord. First, he, he came in poverty, right? He came and that he needed to borrow a donkey, right? But he also said, tell him the Lord needs him. He's no longer concealing in all who he is. And obviously, uh, he knew what was there. He's above it all. He is in front of it all. And um, it's so good to know that God is a God that has a plan. And he also has, he provides, he's able to provide for us. Um, I actually love Proverbs uh, chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. Love this section It says Remove falsehood and lies far from me Give me neither poverty nor riches Feed me with the food allotted to me Lest I be full and deny you And say who is the Lord Or lest I be poor and steal And profane the name of the Lord There's something about this season that we're in That we can see that God has There's something so beautiful about trusting him And seeing him provide with basic things Right Right Food on the table. Just give me enough. You know, because sometimes when we, we get too much, we start to, we do forget about him. And and I was just talking with Jet <laughs> that, that we, this is an eye-opening experience, an awakening experience to being grateful for what you have, for what God has given to you. Uh, and, and and awareness that He is our provider, He is faithful. Because when we get away from that, we miss out on all the blessings of trusting in Him. So He told them what to do. He told them the plan. He says, "Go for it. Go go. It'll be waiting for you there. Don't worry. I got it all covered. You know, if anyone asks you, tell them the Lord needs it." And so He sent them away. And of course, He asks them then. To actually do it, right? They have to actually put feet to it, to trust what He said, and to believe what He said, and then, but those who trust in the Lord, and do the things that the Lord has called you to do, you're the ones that, we're the ones that get to see the benefit of it, and see that God is in fact faithful, God does in fact provide. And that builds something in us that is far greater than self-sufficiency, okay? So, anyway, so, He has a plan, and he, it, he has perfect provision. He always takes care of what we need, and nothing is missed by him to the detail. Verse 4. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And this is a prophecy from Zechariah 9, 9. The donkey had a lot of significance, actually, um, back in the day, the donkey, what was known as an animal of peace. It was also, it it had been like a royal animal in the days of David. We're going to see actually some connection between him and David. But the fact that it was a donkey meant that Jesus had just fulfilled scripture, just fulfilled prophecy. And that is uh, something that Jesus did very often throughout his life. Uh, some things he could control, some things he could not, like where he was born. And, and, but his life was constantly him being fulfilled with prophecy. The way he would die, dying on the cross, and, uh, and then being raised again, all prophetic. So another thing we see, the third thing that we see that's different about the king of kings than just any other king is that he has the ability to keep his promises through fulfilled prophecy. If he says it, he won't forget about it. If he promised it, he will make it come to pass. What about prophecies being fulfilled thousands of years later? That shows that God doesn't have a short memory. He doesn't have a, you know, yeah, like a short memory or a, uh, Or bad memory. He remembers everything he said, everything he said had purpose. All the promises, all the prophecies in him, they're yes and they're amen. These are our promises. We know that they will be true, we know that they will come to pass. And Jesus is again fulfilling prophecy from the Old Testament through one of the minor prophets, Zechariah. So he's a God of. Of promise, and and he uses prophecy. Prophecy is a beautiful thing that where it kind of gets messed up is when we try to fulfill it or we try to completely figure it out. The best thing we can do is sit back and watch God fulfill it. And as he does it, we, we can see wow, he really did see the beginning from the end. And wow, he really is in this moment right now. Maybe that's a word for us right now. He's in this moment right now, and he's looking to keep his promises. He's looking to fulfill his prophecies. That is a good king, right? One that is honest, one that keeps his promises. When we don't keep our promises. Um, you can only do it for so long before people stop believing you, and and they'll no longer they won't they just won't go with you anymore. They won't they won't be able to. They're just not going to believe anything that you say, and and so. He is not like that. Our, our, all of our politicians, kings, you know, rulers, they promise a lot and they don't back it up. It's kind of the point where people promise stuff without even thinking they're going to back it up. Sometimes you can promise stuff and with the best of intentions and it just doesn't come to pass. And we need to be careful about that. The promises we make, we should try to keep them. But... At the end of the day, sometimes it's not going to happen. But there's there's this whole other thing where you can promise things with no intention of keeping them at all. And uh, that is the world we live in. This is a completely different world. So if you find yourself having trouble you know, believing the promises of God, it's probably because you're living in this world. And the promises of this world don't mean much. The promises of our leaders don't mean much. But this is a different kind of of King. He keeps his promises. What he says lasts forever. It's from the, the beginning to the end. He knows, he cares, and he's fulfilling the things that he said he would fulfill. He's, he's backing up what he said he would do. It's beautiful. We were actually explaining this morning to my kids the, like how God is outside of time and space. And, uh, and it's a trip because all we know is time and space. That is all we know. We know beginnings and end. We, and so we are so flawed in our understanding even of how things work. We get a glimpse as to how much bigger God is than us in prophecy. Verse 6. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Good for them. <laughs> they followed him. They listened to him. They did what he had commanded and they brought the donkey and the colt. Guess what? It happened. It worked. Jesus had come through on his end of the deal. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. A very great multitude. You hear a great multitude, that's a lot of people. A very great multitude is a big time lot of people. And And remember, there are those there who were like obsessed with who Jesus was because he had he had been just doing things they'd never seen, people were being healed, Um, you know, lives are being changed. And then there's those who hate the fact that people are being healed, lives are being changed. Because they're losing their grip on controlling people. They're losing their grip on how to fear monger and control. Because Jesus was not allowing that. He was coming in and he was setting people free. They were alive and they were no longer easy targets for the religious leaders. And the gospel message, it it has a very polarizing effect because it's about Jesus. And Jesus was polarizing. It was like you either were for him and and you just like thronged to be next to him or or to, to touch him or to be in his presence or you absolutely hated him. There was no middle ground. I think that's kind of, when you think of the church of Laodicea and, and the lukewarm being spit out of his mouth, lukewarm is, is something you're asleep, because that means you don't see what's really going on. The gospel message, it either softens us, or it hardens us. That's what it does. Just like Jesus, it either, you either draw closer to him by meeting him, and you want more of him, or you want more, to get as far away from Him as possible. The gospel message of Jesus doing what He's doing right now, coming to the earth, dying on the cross for our sins, being raised again so that we could have new life in Him, not of ourselves, in Him alone, by His merit, by His blood, by His sacrifice made for us, that message will either harden your your heart or soften your heart. I was reading in a, in a in a book this week, and the, that's what the gospel does. It either softens us and draws us closer to God, and and it, and it works us, and it strips away the calluses, or it hardens us. When you hear it, you just get a little more hard every time you hear it. A little more hard. A little more hard. A little more hard. Think Pharaoh, right? God, it's hard. He just kept getting his heart got harder and harder. God would reveal his power to him, and he'd see it, and he'd be like, Oh, please stop. He'd get harder and harder and harder. And at the end, he was so hard that the Lord's just like, Alright, fine, I'm gonna harden it all away, and I'm gonna use you anyway, but it's not gonna be good for you. So it, it, it the gospel message and Jesus Himself, we either soften to it or we harden to it. And it said the quote in the book was one thing the gospel never does is it never does nothing. So it's either softening you, or it's hardening you. So if you you hear it and it pricks your heart, and you harden yourself up a little bit more, oh, please be careful. Please be careful. Because the thing about hardening your heart is that you think that you can unharden it or soften it yourself, and guess what? You can't. As we continue to harden our hearts, we are continuing to say, "God, no, you don't have a place. No, you don't have a place. No, you don't have a place." And eventually, it's just so hard we can't even see our way out. It's kind of like when you, you can't feel anymore. Maybe you've been there before and you're, you've gone through some tragic situation and you're like, "I'm out of feelings." I've heard people say, "I'm out of tears. I'm numb. I, I can't. There's nothing. I can't process this. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm beyond being touched right now. I'm not there." And so the gospel message does that. So my encouragement is for all of us is anytime you hear the gospel message, take self inventory again and say, God, thank you again for your son. I have not earned a thing since the last time we met. (laughs) I have not earned a thing since the last time I heard this message. Matter of fact, I've gotten to see I'm actually worse than I thought. And I needed that sanctification and that, that, uh, the good news of of a savior, more than I thought. Um, But it's important for us to understand the gospel doesn't do nothing. If you think it's doing nothing, you are being hardened. That is not good. It should inspire, it should soften, it should break us, and it should bring out so much joy because this is the good news of the gospel. And boy, doesn't the good news sound good right now to know that God is in control, to know that God loves you, to know we have heaven, we have eternity, and that He is with us. Verse 9. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! So, blessed is he who came in the name of the Lord! We have... Uh, a quote from psalm 118 verse 26 but the multitudes are out there and they're they're crying out praise to god right that's what they're they to Jesus they're out they went before him uh those who went before him, and those who followed they cry out saying hosanna to the son of david hosanna save save us there's no way they knew what was coming They didn't know exactly what was happening, but they're singing and they're praising, save us, save, save us, to the son of David. They saw, he was the son of David, the line of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. These are prophetic, beautiful praises that, that are launching up before God. It's actually thought that, that maybe it was a chant where one side would say, Hosanna to the son of David. And then the other side would say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the other side would say, Hosanna in the highest. That'd be pretty sick. If everyone was here, we'd do that. We'd do half the room and then half the room. And um, Actually, the worship song we just did kind of had that where it's kind of got like the, the back and forth. I was like those kind of songs where you're going back and forth. There's some of the old songs from back in the like '90s had a bunch of those. There was like the guy verse and then the girl verse. Anyway, that's I'm uh, yeah going back in time here. Anyway, but blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Oh, beautiful words. People are getting a glimpse of who he is and Jesus. Is he is now making it very clear he is the Lord, he is the King of kings, and he is about to set off a war zone. It's going to get absolutely ugly, but in the ugliness, we're going to see God continues to have a plan, and the plan actually gets even greater as it, as a you know, as the enemy seems to attack satan i think truly thought he won at calvary that he defeated jesus only to uh seal his fate as jesus rose three days later none of this is outside of his control or outside of his plan interesting um, insights we get from luke chapter 19 uh of the same thing of palm sunday it says in some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, saying, teacher, rebuke your disciples, because they're saying these praises, right? So he says, teacher, rebuke your disciples, and that also shows you the Pharisees were there, right? You have two crowds. One is like hanging on every word, and the other is critical to every word. And it's, But he says in verse 40, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So another thing about the King of Kings that sets him apart is that he will be praised. He will be praised. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He will be praised. If if everyone was quiet, the stones would cry out. That has got, I'm sure that sent shivers down everyone's spine. Because he says, I don't need you. I don't need anyone I I, and I I get the praise just existing. All creation sings praise to me. And so he will be praised. He deserves all of our honor and our praise. And if you can't praise him in the hard times, then maybe you're not praising right in the good times either, right? This is where we learn that we can trust him and we can continually go to him and praise his name. Not just because we, we got our way or... Uh, Because things are great and things are easy. No, but because He overcame death. He overcame sin. he, He made a way so that we have access to the Father. So that we have communion with Him so that we have communion with one another. He gave us the Holy Spirit that was living inside of Jesus to move in us so that we could be lights in this dark world, so that we could shine, our righteousness could shine before men, and that they could see us, and that they would see Him in us. He is so worthy of our praise. He is so worthy of our worship with our lives. So He's the King that will be praised. Many kings will try to uh, you know, try to make you fear them. And that's how they'll get their praise from you. That's not praise. That is just fear. That's just fear based and and even think of, you know, stories from the Old Testament and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know. You better bow down. Bow down. Bow or you're gonna burn, you know, and they're like, No, we're not gonna bow. We'll burn maybe, sure, but we're never gonna bow. We will not bow. We are going to continue to trust the Lord, and He is the only one that's worthy of our praise. Maybe right now there's a time of uh, clear, uh, I guess, purifying uh, as to who gets our praise—not ourselves, not celebrities, not professional athletes. It's like God alone is the one that is holding everything together. And and that's a good thing to remember too, when the world is super crazy, understand God is restraining evil and he's, he is allowing, if it wasn't for, if God wasn't here, it would just be pure chaos. If it wasn't for, because people say, well, where's God when things are hard? Well, if God wasn't here, things would be unlivable. (laughs) He is constantly restraining what's going on, but there's the effects of the world and, and these effects Remind us that we weren't meant to live for this place. And so they're good reminders because this is not heaven. And so he's not going to make this perfect because this isn't heaven. This is flawed. This is what we do here is to glorify him, honor him, bring praise to his name. Our lives to be that sweet smelling aroma before him and to bring people as many people as we can along with us. But he will be praised, whether we do it or not. He will be praised. I love this little section in John, actually, on his account, the Sermon on the Mount. That's actually where you see that it was palm, that they were using the palms for Palm Sunday. But John chapter 12, verses 16 through 19. His disciples did not understand these things at first. When they were watching, they didn't know really what was going on. And that makes sense, because... After the fact, they all scatter. They are so lost, like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know what they're doing. But but when Jesus was glorified, so at the time they didn't understand, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So Jesus had, they, they remembered it after the fact. So it, it became clear later, hindsight is twenty twenty. Therefore, the people who were with them when, uh, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, and the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. So this is kind of insight into the people that were there. But then this is the, the Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And the reason I bring this up is, is our fifth and final point is that our, this king, the king above all kings, is a God with unstoppable power. There's nothing you can do to stop him. One of the, the best ways to see a church grow, or to see a movement of God sparked, is persecution. And that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to clamp down, and, and the Pharisees are saying, like, the more that we're like trying to shut this down, or the more that we're... Look, the whole world is going after Him. Nothing can stop what God wants to do. Nothing can stop His power. Nothing can stop His move of a... a fresh move of the Spirit. Nothing. Satan is always three steps behind. And he's more powerful than any organization, than any world power. Then none of that matters. Nothing can stop what he does. And that be encouraged this morning. Be encouraged. That God, if, if he is doing something, he, we can look down the line. He has a plan, right? He, he has the provision to take care of it, right? If he if he makes a promise, he's gonna keep it. He, he's gonna be praised in the end because he wins. And he has unstoppable power. So if we are attached to Him, if we are with Him, and we are riding the wave of, of His of movement of His Spirit, there is nothing that the world can do to stop us. They tried everything they could do to stop Jesus, and they couldn't. By crucifying Him, they thought that they had beat Him, and this was the exact moment when the script was flipped and the whole world was changed. He had accomplished what He had come to do. And then the disciples, again, afterwards, filled with the Holy Spirit. They are changed creations, new men and new women. And what happens? Persecution comes, and and, and it comes to Jerusalem, where they're all gathered. What happens? The church spreads out, and just like a fire that's blown by the wind, the embers go all these different directions, and it becomes a forest fire. And and it's unstoppable. Every time there's a movement of God that tries to be smashed or stopped, it, it does the exact opposite. It's like pouring water on a grease fire. It makes it spread. That is the king of kings. This is what he does. He's got unlimited resources. He's got unlimited power. He's got unlimited wisdom. He sees the beginning from the end. He loves us in a self-sacrificing, selfless love. This agape, perfect love. If He's for us, who can be against us? If He's for us, who could be against us? And so, um, obviously this is about Palm Sunday, but I, I saw these all these points I thought were so good, and they really related to us so much now and for always, right? What's our response? Our response is, God, I want to be on that wave with you. I want to be with you. I want my heart to be soft, and I want my trust to be sure. I want my faith to be Rock solid in you I want the Holy Spirit to have Full access in my life I want to believe Every promise that you say I want to see your provision For me in my life Personally I want praise to be Always on my lips so everything I I do and I say is, is Praise is boiling out of me And I want to be a part of Seeing your power move In this country in this World I believe he's doing it and I believe he's going to do it and he's looking for laborers right he says the, you know, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few who are those who would stand up and say here am I send me or could you use me could I be part of this God, I'm, I'm broken, I'm falling, I'm, I'm struggling, um, things are very uncertain, this is a weird thing happening right now in my life, and you, for the first time in a long time, have a lot more of my attention than usual. What do I do about that? How do I jump on with you instead of jumping back into the rat race? What happens when the economy comes back? What happens when everyone's jobs come back? We all go back to normal. Is normal better than trusting in him? Is normal better than walking with him? No, you know it's funny. Again, Jed and I were talking about it. It's just him and me here right now. But these are the times where you are the most alive because you're the most awakened. Like, I don't know and and he said it really well. Like you're trusting in God. You don't fear. It's like I, I don't fear. Like I know He's good. I, I, I know He's got me, and I fully have peace with all that. But I want to do everything I can to do what I'm supposed to do. too. work hard, God. What do you want me to put my hand to right now? Just kind of talking. About, what do you want me to invest in? Right? Say, down market is the time when you invest in the stocks, or you, you would invest into something like that. Right now, we ask have to ask ourselves. What am I investing in? What can I invest in? How can I grow in you and be part of this? See all of these things in my life. So here's the recap, okay? The five truths we can learn, or the, uh, the sorry, the five uh, truths that set the king of kings apart from all other kings. He has a plan. He None of this is without a plan. He sees the beginning and He has a plan and He sees the end and He has a plan. He has perfect provision. He always takes care of us. And it's perfect. Whether we think it's perfect or not, it is, because it draws us closer to Him. He is a God that fulfills promise and He fulfills prophecy. The promise, He keeps His promises through fulfilled prophecy. He is a God that will be praised. All other gods must take a back seat. All other praise must be gone and done away with. He is a jealous God. He wants all of us. So he's a God that will be praised, and he's a God of unstoppable, unlimited power. There's nothing the world can do to stop a move of God. So we draw near to him. We get on our knees, and we say, God, do this in me. You might say, God, do this in our country. God, do this in our world. But it always starts with, God, do this in me. Change me. Give me your spirit. How much more willing am I to give you this? How much more willing would I be to give you the spirit of God? That's Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. I will give you the spirit of God. I will, I will give you the Holy Spirit. To those who ask, fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Change me. Maybe there's those, I have no idea who's watching this. Maybe there's those who are like, great, Holy Spirit, good. I need to get the Jesus, I need to get like salvation down. Salvation means you can't do it. And you recognize that you are, have been weighed and found wanting. That your sin is too much. Like it is a death sentence and it is a weight around your neck. And Jesus wants to come and take that and, or let you know that he did take that. And that he can give you a new life and a new mantle. And that's going to be to go and move forward with him. But it's him at the reins. You weren't doing good anyway. We weren't making it on our own. We weren't, we weren't doing so great, so hot. So it's it's recognizing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was that perfect sacrifice, that lamb that God slain for the world and for all of our sins and then was risen again, and we have our new life in Him. So that's the first start. Maybe you want to just, you know, as soon as this is over, take a second and just just pray before the Lord. God, I, I want to be made new, Lord. Uh, forgive me for my sins. Make me new in You. And then all the rest of us to pray, God, fill us with Your Spirit. Empower us. Let's do that right now, God. We pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit, God. We pray that You would convict us of sin, Lord, that you'd convict us of hardness in our heart, and we know it's you that softens our heart. So, God, we pray that you would soften our heart and draw us closer to you, that we would open our eyes and be awakened to the world that we live in, and the fact that you want to do a lot more than we're allowing you to do, or or through us and in us. And we're missing out on watching you uh, lay out the plan, and watching you provide, and and watching you keep your promises and, and by not giving you the praise you deserve and seeing your power in full display, God, we want that here. And if that's you, just say that before the Lord, I want that. Lord, I want that. Come change me, make me new in you. Lord, thank you so much. You're so good for us. You're so awesome. And just this holy week, that's a, the one of the weirdest ones I've ever experienced. God, we pray, Lord, that even though we're separated, that our hearts would be united as we are looking at the cross. But not just at the cross, knowing that the cross accomplished, sure, the the death, but no, that that three days later, you rose and that tomb was opened. And now we die in the body, but we don't die forever. We live for all eternity with you. So we da- it's death to sin. We're alive to you, God. So we praise you, Lord. We pray that you just uh, minister to anyone who has any needs. Lord, we pray that you keep us healthy and strong. Give us wisdom. Help us to be lights in this world. And that we bring life where there's death. We bring hope where there's none. And we bring faith where, uh, where things are, seem hopeless and faith and people are faithless, Lord. So we praise you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be having our Good Friday service and that will actually be, um, a live service. So stay tuned. There'll be more announcements. I, I believe it's going to be at six o'clock. Uh, but yeah, so there'll be a live service for Good Friday and uh, that will be on Instagram live. And we're trying to figure out if we could do it in some other ways too. And then Easter at 10 o'clock. So thank you for joining us. We pray you have a blessed day and that that you are lights in the darkness, and that God is showing himself faithful and uh, you're being encouraged. Thank you. Talk to you soon. God bless.